Game over. Welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coltsploitation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? Oh, we're back again. Uh, we took a little bit of a break here because we didn't want to in- intrude on the big release in theaters for, um, what was it, May 15th? Something like that, I think it was. Mm-hmm. May 15th, big release. Uh, as we start to get back into the theaters, people getting vaccinated, hopefully, people heading out to um, relish in the uh, the the public relations that you get when you go to the theater, when you can enjoy a movie together with a fellow stranger who may or may not be on their phone. It happened. We went again to the movie theater. We went there last time when we saw Mortal Kombat. And of course, with the big new release, we had to get to the theater because I have not seen a, I have not not seen a film in this series in the theater. I've always gone to the theater. Of course. What's that? It has to be that way. Absolutely. This is a, a blockbuster moment and you've, you've got to be there on opening night or close to it. Of course, I'm talking about the Saw series, and we got a special Saw film in the franchise. Technically, not a Saw film, because it's the only film that has deviated from the from including Saw in its title in its official title. It's called Spiral from the Book of Saw. So we're now treating Saw as though it's some sort of biblical passage. It's like I thought this was seven too. Yeah, well, you would be um, forgiven for thinking that, that it's 7-2. And, and looking at the marketing for the film and the very, um, I would say it almost came out of nowhere, right? So wh- what did we say? It's been about four years since Jigsaw released. Is that right? Was, was it 2017? Yeah, which see, like, when, I was, when we were talking before the podcast, to me it seems a lot uh, like... Not that much time has passed. I almost feel like we watched this like a year or two ago. Yeah, four years ago. The time flies by. We've been friends ever since. And we actually have been doing the podcast that long, too, because we did Jigsaw. Uh, we saw it in theaters, and then we did the, the episode right after. Crazy times. Well, this is on, a good time. We're on like year six now, the podcast, bud. We are. I know. It, this is a good time to plug that we've done all of the Saw films from first to Jigsaw on the podcast. And we did one through seven in a marathon 
of watching these films week to week, which was pretty brutal. Taxing. If you remember when we did it, I think when once we got to like four or five, the um, the fatigue was setting in. You could probably hear it. Which the the, uh, the best part of the whole franchise, the Costas Mandalore trilogy. The mileage we've gotten out of that man is will never end. Absolutely, I I can't even believe it. So I think we should spoil something right now. He's not right in now. Spiral. Yeah, he's not in Spiral. Missed opportunity. Sorry. Yeah, sorry to sorry to spoil anybody's good good times, but yeah, he's not in it. Um, and I can also spoil another thing. Donnie Wahlberg not in this. Nope, they did not. Where they were not able to get him into a flashback or anything like that. Not his smug, smiling Bostonian face. Nothing. All burgers is doing pretty good right now. They're good on the money. So yeah, so you're saying he didn't actually need to? No, he didn't. No, he didn't have any loan sharks chasing him down of late. Uh, I feel like in Jigsaw it was almost like that. It was almost like um, Donnie was like, "You got anywhere you can include me?" And I'll be honest too. I I don't. They don't really even. Remember. They don't even include on the Wikipedia for like where characters uh, appear in films. They don't even have Donnie Wahlberg in Jigsaw. Like I totally forget. That's kind of like one of the twists at the end of that. Like no, he survived Saw two and uh, or whatever. I don't know. They're all bleeding together. Maybe it was Saw three D that happened. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'll be honest. I can't even remember Jigsaw at all. I we only saw it the one time. We saw it in theaters. I do not remember what happened. So I'm glad that Spiral does not take any events from the past Saw films because I feel like we were not in a place to even know and for remember the lore of all of the series. I, I definitely am not. Even though we, we watched the films, well, it had to have been like five years ago now. Even though we watched them back then, I, I, don't, I don't remember. And you're right. Everything bleeds together. Um and I think that was one of the problems of Jigsaw is that Jigsaw attempted to use all of the lore and it was, it was a, like a set further, you know, it, it took a while for that film to release. It wasn't like, uh, the original saws where it was like every Halloween, you're getting a new saw. Um, so Jigsaw was kind of relying on people remembering the lore and then it, they didn't. And so that made it very difficult for that to be a successful film because it was relying on so many convolutions and, you know, remember when this happened and remember when that character died, but they didn't actually die. And we're, we're, you know, we, we did a little red herring there and the whole thing started to get very messy. We're just going around in circles, which leads us to spiral, right? Cause spiral is about going around in circles, but at least Spiral does not have the misfortune of trying to sandwich in all of the Saw lore. It basically acts like Saw happened, and everything that Jigsaw did happened in the historical presence of this film, but it's not actually necessary that you know anything that happened, besides the fact that there was a guy named John Kramer, he was Jigsaw, and then he had disciples that spun off from him. I think that's I think that's a success in, on Spiral's part, not to use the rest of the lore. What do you think? No, I I, I like it because I I think the idea of it like being like, uh, you know, 
a book uh, from the Book of Saw. It leads the film to be open, like the series to be open up to be like a like Aesop's fables of like you know like morality tales and tackling issues of you know importance within society. Because horror films, in spite of usually their lowbrow plot and going on, a lot of them usually do come up with clever satire and like you know thought-provoking ideas. So I think the idea, it does lead credence to doing that, and I think it'd be interesting. But if that's the case, you damn well better make sure you have the right people behind it to, you know, either push that, like, message or satire or whatever they're going for. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, you know, we'll, we'll get into that as we talk more about the film um, and, you know, what it brings to the table with the Saw series and, you know, what it means to be from the book of Saw rather than, you know, what you're, you're not calling it an actual Saw sequel. Um, you know, as we get into the actual film itself, we'll talk more about that. Um, for now, why don't we take a break real quick before we get into more of the film and talk about the beer that we're drinking or technically have drank um, because we didn't get a new one for today's episode. Um, Martin had some car trouble, brake lights out, wasn't able to get to the to the beer store to get us something new. But I did want to bring up that we've had the Founders All Day Vacay because we've done Founders on the show before. I've had, I think, nearly every single one of their 15 packs that they've put out recently. I think the only one I missed was Moon Rambler. And this is their newest one that's like their lead into summer. So it's a 15 pack and it's a Session Wheat Ale. Now, Session Wheat Ale is kind of interesting. You don't tend to see that very often. You know, when you think Session, you think Session IPA, Session Pale Ale. Those are the most common things that we're getting right now for Sessions. But Founders brings us a Session Wheat Ale. And I was not sure how this was going to go on. You know, like, Wheat Ale, to me, does not really say, light and summery. I don't know if it does you, but no, it does. It's um, I would say almost hefeweizen, like not quite, but it does have a hint of banana note to it and cl- a little bit of clove. Right, it was right, yeah. The, no, the beer, the beer does. I was saying before I actually even had it, I was not like we we ale to me. It doesn't scream like, oh, that's gonna be a you know a nice light beer for summer, um, you know, nice and refreshing kind of sounds heavy almost but i was wrong as you said it's kind of like half of it's got definitely has a very light um like citrusy flavor to it um maybe a little bit of banana uh the wheat gives it like almost like a like a sweet taste to it and overall, I think it's very refreshing and definitely is sessionable. I think it's about only 4%, 4.5 or something like that. So it's on the low end of the ABV. But um, definitely definitely sessionable, definitely something that um, I could see myself drinking on a hot summer day. And technically, I am because it's a pretty hot day today. All right. So that was some good beer talk. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have anything like crazy for the show, but... Uh, I mean, it helps extra. You're having what? Corona extra. Oh my goodness. 
so so uh, adventurous. I don't, I don't usually get it. Not not that big of a fan, but you know, I actually prefer Corona Light for whatever reason. No, we, th- we we we've talked about that before on a yeah podcast when we you had that one Corona variety pack. Yeah, Modelo is also pretty good. Dosakis is as well. I haven't. I know I haven't had that in a while. Had no, All right, there's not well, more of most interesting in the world commercials. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What's the All point? Right. Let's get in the spiral, shall we? So, one thing that really stood out to me, I did not know this until pretty much after I watched the movie, was that it was directed by Darren Lynn Bousman. And Bousman is known for working on the Saw franchise, Saw 2 through 4, which I think most people probably see at least Saw 2 as being one of the better films in the franchise. Um, it certainly helped to invigorate what was originally a pretty one-note idea. Um, certainly not as torture porn-like as it as Saw became. So I was interested. I mean, it would have been good to know that Darren Lynn Bousman was directing it before I went into Spiral, but I think that helped like set my expectations too. I didn't have anything like extremely um, high expectations or anything like that when I was going into it. Um, and also, the other thing I didn't know was that it was written by the people who wrote Jigsaw because that would have then tempered my expectations. I would have been like, oh, Darren Lynn Bousman's working on this. And then, oh, the Jigsaw writers, though. So I think that's interesting that there's that that temperance of, you know, we're re- kind of returning to uh, the basics of Saw. But at the same time, I wasn't, you know, it, it's, it's hard to imagine that the writers of Jigsaw, who were working on, like, some extremely intricate, ridiculous twists, are now coming back to try to, like, kind of start things over. But effectively, that's what Spiral is. It's like, let's take the Saw franchise and reboot it and not have all of that baggage. Which, um, if you think about some of the other franchises that have recently had uh, revitalizations, a lot of them have been going this route of, you know, it's kind of a remake, it's kind of a reboot. Um, I would call Spiral basically a reboot of the series at this point. What do you think? No, I agree. I mean, I, like I said, I think the whole book of, uh, you know, from the book of Saw is not just for marketing of signaling, like, to make sure that you go see the, the damn film, that also, you know, they're st- starting fresh. Like, this is a new chapter, a new page. We tried Jigsaw. People were very lukewarm on it. We're going to try something new. Um... I honestly didn't have too many expectations going in. I I was interested to see what Chris Rock would be like in a horror film because he hasn't, you know, he's never really touched the horror genre. He's one of, you know, easily one of the best SNL members of all time and one of the greatest stand-up comedians of all time. Um, and he's never really dipped his, you know, dipped his hand into handling any like drama or horror, so. I was interested to see how, you know, that would go because, you know, Robin Williams, also one of the greatest, like, comedians of all time in stand-up comics, turned out to be one of the best damn, you know, drama and 
horror actors around with, you know, films like One Hour Photo and Insomnia. Yeah, I definitely think it's interesting that Chris Rock was a part of this. And when Spiral was initially really uh, like announced, I was kind of under the assumption that this was like Chris Rock's baby almost. Like this was kind of his thing that he wanted to reboot it. Um, now, you know, seeing everybody that's working. I would working... say, you, you, say you'd almost have to be under the assumption because for them to go like, we're casting Chris Rock, you know, would be out of left field. Yeah, you... I, I, I feel like I vaguely remember seeing information that was like, oh yeah, Chris Rock's like a huge soft fan. And that's part of the reason and inspiration for Spiral is because, you know, we, Chris Rock wanted to be involved and this was the perfect time to get him involved. And, you know, that kind of left it vague enough where you weren't, really sure what his role in the film would be. Um, and I think it was a, an interesting experiment. I've been seeing a lot of, um, you know, lukewarm reception to Chris Rock in Spiral, you know, in his uh, portrayal of more of a serious character. Um, I don't know that I agree. I think Chris Rock is certainly the best, the better part of Spiral here. Um, and he, he had some much needed levity to this film um, that I would say a lot of the other saws don't have. Um no. Most saws are doubt everyone's a fucking stick in the mud. Every just like every you know two thousands slasher horror film, like every character just being beyond re- repair, either boring or douchey. Yeah, He's I can't even. Got, you know, a good se- he does have like a good sense of humor in this. Can you remember a time in like the other saw sequels where there was actually like some sort of humor in it? I really can't. Maybe the only time was in Saw 2 during some of, like, the group sessions where they were kind of cracking wise. But other than that, I don't really remember there being, like, any humor at all, any any levity to I do. the proceedings. I do, throwing Amanda in the needle pit. Yeah, but that wasn't intentionally funny. Because she was a junkie. Yeah. I, I, I think that Spiral brings something to the table wherein it, it is definitely a more... Um, humorous take on Saw. I'm not saying that it's like extremely funny, but it certainly has its moments where it's obviously trying to, you know, forego some of the, you know, I'm just going to be broody. This, this whole film is going to be broody and green. Um, it doesn't have that. And so we talked about this a little bit when we saw the movie. Um, Spiral actually some sort of feels like it's too short at 90 minutes. And And if you've listened to our podcast before, you know, we don't generally say that. We don't generally say, you know, an hour and 40 minute movie is the right length or a two hour movie was totally necessary. Oftentimes we're pretty critical of longer movies. We say, you know what? It didn't really need those 15 minutes or so that that brought it outside of normal um, movie runtimes. But Spiral feels like it's lacking some of the necessary characterization that it needs to tell its tale and part of that is because there's a little bit of a weird pacing issue going on at the beginning of the film so in true saw fashion you do get your opening torture porn sequence uh and then after that you know you get your you're you're meeting the new people which is pretty much characteristic of every saw however it spends a lot of time meeting chris rock and putting like context to what he's doing in the police um, precinct as a detective and the problems that he's faced um, as a result of him speaking out against, you know, corruption in the police and things like that. Um, So 
in that sense, it spends a, quite a bit of time doing that where you're not getting some of those torture sequences for probably about 20 minutes. Um, and not only that, but it needs to set up in true like crime drama fashion the rookie cop that's coming in, the rookie detective who uh, our seasoned detective has to train, which is like, you know, police procedural 101. But well, let's hold on. Let's before you go, you like spin off on 10 different tangents. So, but so it's kind of hard to address this. Let's address this right off the bat. Let's go right down in order. All the stereotypical police procedural buddy cop things that they cram into this film, let alone they generally they did it like in like one scene in like three minutes. They crammed every single cliche in there as quick as they can. So you got. You're getting a you're getting a partner, and he's a rookie. You're getting the cop who's not liked in the precinct because he's either a rat or can't be trusted because he's a third loose cannon, does things you know on his own. The captain can't control him. There's a rolling blackout or something going on in the city that's making everybody crazy. Eat the, captain's a, the captain's a hard ass. His dad used to be a police officer. He can't live up to that standard. He's he's his own man. We went down like that's like literally yeah, every like, no, you know you, we still miss some. We still miss some. The 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 detective who spends all his time at work is now in divorce proceedings because his wife couldn't accept that he had to work so much. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see what else we got. Um. Um, I mean, I think we got him pretty much, but yeah. this is what and we're talking only, about. The, I'll say the only one that was missing was like, and the mayor's on my ass about what's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing. Yeah. Or the DA wants a fall guy for this. Yeah. But um, I mean, they, yeah, they like, and it's great too. Cause you, I was dying laughing in the theater with that, like that whole scene was, uh, going down between Chris Rock and, uh, Marisol Nichols, it was the captain, Angie Garza, you know, just watching it, because it's, like, so fucking, just, like, cliche, and they just rattled them off, you know, to which I, I would almost say is either incredibly lazy, or they it, they did it for shits and giggles. I'm almost gonna side, err on the side of they were, you know, doing it for shits and giggles. Yeah, I, uh... It's so over-the-top melodramatic. Yeah, it's it's definitely, uh... It's almost like CBS procedural type thing. And then, but just with some gore thrown in, like, you know, this is what you're going to get. If you're an aging person on a Monday night tuning in for your NCIS, your 15 season crime procedural. (laughs) That's basically. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah, That's basically what uh, this film is, except it's got, some pretty you know pretty intense torture porn along with it uh and you, you you know that's i i wouldn't say that the other soft films had to this extent like the crime procedural piece because spiral is more so it's set in the saw universe and you definitely get the torture porn aspects but i would say it actually more so resembles seven as we as we talked about earlier you know when we joked that it was a seven two um there's a really, lot of beat, there's a lot of beat by beats you know taken out of it and like kind of the framing and um, ideas that it's going for. 
It's yeah. definitely very seven esque, and, and even like the kind of the cinematography um, is very seven. You you can tell that it's inspired at le- at the very least. Um, the cinematography too draws attention to itself by not being like a saw movie. It's very much like uh like yellowy sepia toned, you know, I wouldn't say noir like because noir is more, you know, you've got more of like the contrastiness to it. But this one is is definitely drawing attention to the fact that we're we've got like this yellowy very hot atmosphere, like kind of like a we get to see saw the city, saw city in uh in daylight for the first time. You know what this is? This is this is um Hey Arnold's Heat Wave the movie. Yeah. <laughs> because uh. there's not really too much of a reason for the heat wave element to it and yet the film likes to draw attention to it. It's like everybody looks so fucking sweaty and you know I'm wearing my suit and my you know and my uh all of my uh, my my hat. Yeah, exactly. I'm wearing my suit, and my my hat, and um, even the the first guy, the first detective that we're drawn to, um, he's got like the classic like L.A. noir style uh, suit and pork pie hat going on here. It looks like a Woody, like uh, if Woody Harrelson got a little fatter and decided, you know, that's who that guy looked like. He kind of looked like a low round Woody Harrelson. I don't really, I don't understand the need for the heat wave element. Do you? Do you like? Well, what, see, what you... see, see, going so going back to like you were talking about runtime. I think this film, and you know, a good see the reason why when you you complain about a film or we complain or anybody ever complains about a film that's too long or seems too long, is because it didn't do with the time that it could have. Nobody complains that The Godfather's three hours long or that. You know, Once Upon a Time in the West is almost four hours long. Because they're engaging films that grip you the entire way through. So when you if you feel like a film's, you know, long, it's because the film's dragging. Here, there, it, it, the film, as you said, it, you're right. It has, it's very, like, it's got, you get your first trap out of the way, and then you get, like, 10, like, 15, 20 minutes of, like, the setup, and then it's just breakneck jumping from one thing to the next. And the film really could have used a lot of breathing because it's trying to be more character-driven and character-focused. And there's no time for that to happen because you're moving from one thing to the next. And that, you know, that's that's the big issue with this. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, yeah, what you are you're saying and what I was saying too is, you know, with the heat wave element and the... Uh... Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. I lost my tra- yeah, sorry. I lost my train of thought. So, you're no, you're right. So like the heat wave element, like again, like I think they had things like they it obviously seems like they cut the film down. Like there were elements that they were either going to use or and they just never they either had it and they scrapped it or what. I'd be kind of interested to see what the cut was going to be from like when they were planning to release this a year ago because maybe it was going to be like a, a standard 2-hour film where you have more going on and maybe seeing like, you know, the city react to these corrupt cops or something, or, you know, how the people in the city, you know, feel about police and it, because they never really talk about that, which is, you know, would have been an interesting aspect. And it would have given more time to explain, you know, the characters more. 
Yeah, I, I, I think the one character that really suffers from this is Samuel L. Jackson's character, who is Chris Rock's father in, in the film. Uh, and we kind of get flashbacks to see like, oh, yeah, this guy was kind of he was riding the riding the cusp of the law and he was kind of pushing things uh, in the uh, precinct. And what we're really supposed to be seeing, you know, is is how that caused some issues with Chris Rock's character, who was working under his father for a time in the precinct. Um, but I don't think that we get enough information about the the Marcus Banks character to really even glean much of anything. Samuel L. Jackson's not on screen for very much, and when he is, he doesn't really have much going on. Um, he's Samuel L. Jackson in this film. Yeah, like, he's, beat, he's just beat for beat like Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, he's Samuel L. Jackson, and then, you know, he just doesn't have much to do here. And I think that the film suffers a lot from the unnecessary flashback elements that it has. Um, there are times where the film decides that it's going to cut away from the action in real time to go back to that action later on in a flashback sequence that seems like totally unnecessary and doesn't make sense. So one of those elements is when we're seeing a saw trap in action, it's happening, and then we cut away. And we go to Chris Rock, and he's investigating, and they're they're going to investigate this. And then we flash back to that torture again as though Chris Rock knows what happened. But why would Chris Rock know exactly what happened in that scenario? It just It's almost like when you play a detective game and there's like sort of that flashback where they know what happened. But that's unrealistic. Like I said, like I said when we were watching in the theaters, he's Willem Dafoe and Boondock Saints like this. You know, and then, the you know, it plays out in front of him. Yeah, exactly. It's it it doesn't make sense why he would even know, you know, obviously they know approximately what happened, but the flashback kind of plays out like Chris Rock's thinking this is exactly what happened. I know what happened. And it just doesn't really make much sense to do a flashback like that. They should have just shown it in real time because I feel like that makes more sense instead of taking someone out of that action and then bringing them back to it. Now, I think what the intention was is that you're going to be squeamish thinking about it, right? So you're, you know what is about to happen and you're, you're hoping like, oh, will they show me? Like, I, I, I kind of want to see it, but I'm kind of squeamish about what's going to happen with that. Um, and I don't think that that works out in the way that they wanted it to for the audience because I just don't think that pe- most people think like that, especially knowing that it's a soft film. You're expecting the torture element. That's why you're going, for one thing. You want to see what kinds of demented traps and things like that that they've come up with this time i don't think it works to take the viewer out of that scenario uh and then bring them back to it but that doesn't just go for traps it's it's also like all of the flashbacks that jump from chris rock being like on the force right now and being targeted by others and people calling him a rat for um you know ratting out one of his own and then jumping back in time to show what happened during that it's all very messy and that's kind of Saw's M.O. to be messy in flashback, but I just don't think it works very well in Spiral. That's one thing that you want to cut from if you're going to reboot Saw in some way like we do in Spiral. You want to uh, get rid of the crap. Yeah, cut out <laughs> the junk that didn't really make it successful in the first place. Um, like, like for 95% of this film, we got rid of the green tint. Great. 
in yep. a couple of the traps they went to the sped up you know like and like twitchy cam like camera crap i get that's like a saw mo leave it in the past people and I are, feel like if, they if, kinda if people, did. let's say if people are interested in that let's be like let me direct you to saw four for that you know yeah, and I feel like we they did that a little bit with Jigsaw, where they they were trying to get away from the green tint. Um, and I think people didn't respond well to that because it was like, well, you're setting it in the Saw universe, you're setting it as a sequel, and you're trying to get rid of everything that makes it Saw. Um, in Jake, in or I'm sorry, in Spiral, it makes more sense to kind of get away from that, and I think they do that pretty well. And as we talked about with the cinematography and stuff, they're going for a different color scheme. Um, they don't use the green tint at all, you know, that that pukey green. Um, instead, we're getting more blues. We're getting more yellows. Um, and I, what's that? Or neon. like Yeah, know. or neon. And while I won't say that that's super, like, it's experimental or outside of the box, I mean, every single crime procedural uses blue. That's, like, another generic 101 is, like, everything is kind of blue. Um. I will say that for a, you know, trying to get away from being exactly like Saw, it makes sense to try to distance yourself by doing something different. Um, so one person that we didn't talk about is um, Max Minghella's character, who's uh, the detective, the rookie, the rookie detective that's coming on Chris Rock. Uh, you know, when he shows up, he's talking about his wife and kids, and Chris Rock says, in a pretty funny but also you know kind of um generic comment that oh yeah your wife's probably fucking someone else when you're out you know she's she's gonna get sick of you being on call on holidays and weekends and uh pretty much all the time pilates doesn't exist pilates doesn't exist you know you just found out that uh pilates is code word right but i I feel like chris rock picked that up from porn watching too much you know exercise porn like oh yeah they're not even exercising my wife at all they're just fucking her that's right or like uh, the gta uh so the say the class yeah so the next one's gonna be like my wife just keeps getting stuck in a lawn you know in a washing machine <laughs> yeah i i think that the max Mingilla character you know obviously that's a very generic thing we talked about you know get a rookie cop on here um but it does set up the whole element of, um, you know, he's the other good cop that Chris Rock can trust because the whole premise of Spiral is that Chris Rock really cannot trust anybody in the police force because there's corruption there. He's not really sure exactly who's corrupt, but he knows that it's there and he's obviously witnessed it in the past because he saw someone uh, shoot another, like a witness in cold blood. And so the idea okay. is that. Let's say, by the way, if that's the case, where the fuck is internal affairs? They don't have internal affairs there. You There's know, no internal affairs because they've gotten to them. It's, it, you know, it's been a fucking decade and he's, you know, he would have been plugged by now. Something would have gotten him killed by now. The fact that he's even still alive like a decade later is ridiculous. Uh, you mean you uh, Chris think- Rock's character? Yeah, you you know, I'm just thinking of like Better Call Saul and how, you know, Mike Ermintrout's, you know, son was the, you know, good cop and wouldn't take the bribes. And he got, you know, they made sure to kill him like right away. And then, you know, Mike gets his, uh, kills the two cops. You know, that's one of the best parts of season one, like when he's in Philadelphia and tricks those cops. 
into being drunk and like, yeah, the old man couldn't deal with it. And he's like, yeah, would have done that too. And then bam, bam, you know. So I kind of find it hard that he, you know, if he was that big of a pariah or that big of a shit stir, they wouldn't have gotten him out. They would have like, you know, forced him out somehow. Either like, yeah, you're getting transferred or, you know. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't have at least promoted him like they have seemed to have done, you know. Uh, even, you know, I think yeah, that, from, yeah, from a beat cop to a detective. Yeah. I think that, um, there's definitely, I mean, obviously this film has an agenda and, and, and it's really spun off from a lot of the police brutality that we have in America at this point. And it's kind of interesting that spiral was planned. Like, was it a year ago or maybe even almost? May, yeah, May, 2020. Yeah. May, 2020, it was planned a year ago. And it's only gotten more relevant in what its theme presents. The problem with the theme is that it's extremely heavy handed. It is like there is no room for any misinterpretation. There is no way that the the viewer is not going to walk out of this film knowing exactly what the thematic idea was because the directors are basically taking the book and smashing you in the face with it every single time that this theme comes up because what's the killer, what's the jigsaw um, uh, accomplice or person doing in this film? They're killing cops because of their corruption. So like, you know, the original jigsaw uh, they're targeting people who jigsaw feels deserves it. And in this case, it's the corruption in the police force who they know are doing certain things that they then are judged for. Um, but which there's is, just which is a good like again a good premise. It is a good premise. It like is if, like if you're gonna like do like I said the whole like the from the book of Saw and make it like a um uh, like episodic tale that we're gonna be telling for each new film we're gonna be tackling something like this. Great, but you're right. It is incredibly heavy handed, and it's not it's not incredibly tactful. At all. Like, there's no tact to it at all. And the idea of, like, well, why were they doing this? Well, Section 8 said they could. What the fuck's Section 8? Well, let them cops run roughshod to clean up the streets. Uh, there's not going to be any law in the book or anything like that saying, like, yeah, um, you can, you know, just shoot a guy. And there's not going to be any repercussions. Because Section 8 says, hey, you know. Yeah. You know. Not, not trying to spoil anything, but there's a really, I mean, I, I'm not going to say it's it's funny because it's so over the top, but there's a scene where basically one of the shoot in the car. Yeah, yeah. He just there's a cop that walks up and just shoots a man right in the like. There's no. It's not even like the police brutality that we're kind of seeing. You know where there's like a scuffle or there's something happening. I mean, it's just point blank. Like I'm just gonna shoot this guy. Um, it it leaves there's just no room for you to misinterpret um and if you think back to something like saw three saw three was at least somewhat a um an indictment of the medical profession right and and even saw two i don't know saw six well they all were in, in some ways saw six yeah i think I, I know what you're thinking about with the insurance company yeah but all of them are sort of like that in that, you know, they are bringing attention to the fact that, you know, John really wasn't able to get 
help for his condition, and they were a little bit more understated than what we're getting in Spiral, um, which is basically, here's what we think, and you're going to think it too, because this is all that we're going to present to you. Um, I, I get where they're, I get, I definitely get where they're coming from. I like that they have a black protagonist and, you know, I think that that is a good thing. It's a good direction, but the writing is just leaves a lot to be desired. As, as we said, this would have been the perfect opportunity to have Jordan Peele do something with this. Cause I think Jordan Peele, and I think we both agree would have been somebody who could tackle an issue such as this. Like they're going to, put it as like a theme in the film and the overall motif could do it with tact and grace that makes it, you know, not come off as overly cartoony. Cause if you're somebody who doesn't believe like pr- police brutality is a thing, if you're one of those blue lives matter people and you watch this film, you're gonna be like, this is a bunch of bullshit. Right. You know, that's what, you know, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Where if you had somebody with doing it with more tact and grace, could be something that somebody who was maybe somebody who thinks like that, you know, not have their mind changed, but definitely think about it from a different perspective. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, we definitely didn't need two white guys to write this movie either. You know, it's certainly not, you know, the perspective that we probably should have gotten from this. Um, Sure, they, you know, they, they certainly got to the themes here, but it's... Like we're saying, it's a very surface level, um, like look at what is happening, and I think there were there would be other voices that could do this better, to a finer degree than what we get because I I don't know that this really makes a strong case because you're right everybody you know people who agree with this you know the, there's police brutality going on um, corruption then they're gonna walk out and they're gonna say okay yeah. Uh, Spiral went there, and you know, I, I guess I appreciate that. People who don't believe it, I mean, they're not going to be swayed here. They're going to be like, you know, what the fuck was that? That, and not only that, but now it turns you off from it watching saw films in, in general because you don't believe what they're presenting. So you're not going to go see another, you know, Spiral Two or something like that. Um, it's like I'd say the the equivalent I can think of in like modern times of like a film when it comes to this kind of tact and style of addressing an issue is like the remake of RoboCop with Samuel L. Jackson as you're standing for Bill O'Reilly. That's like so over-the-top, ham-fisted, and it's like, yeah, we get it. Fox News is bad. It's like, what, 2014? We know. We've had like nine years of John Stewart telling you Fox News is bad. That's the equivalent I, w- I would make in the computer. He's, you know, playing Bill O'Reilly. It's very... Very yeah, like that's definitely what we're getting here with Spiral. It's you know you're gonna get the theme, you're gonna get what they're talking about, you're gonna understand the reasons that Jigsaw, the Jigsaw killer, is doing what he's doing, or she is doing. But you, it, it just I just think that they just needed to be more tactful with it. It's just and th- that's that doesn't just go for the theme, but in general the writing suffers. It's just not. Um, it's just not great representation. Well, that's the other thing too. So, our you know Chris Rock is our paragon of virtue in this film, and the first detective that's killed is um, 
Detective Boswick, okay, he's friends with, great friends with, hangs out with his family, etc. Because we get to meet the fa- his his family, etc. But he's somebody who's known to lie a bunch of times on the stand. Why would Chris Rock be friends with him? Not only that, how would he not know? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> like you know, so that's uh, you know, that's just like he knows everyone you know is an asshole in the department and lot you know is a lying rat. But this guy, uh, I'm friends with him. Yeah, he he lies sometimes on the stand, but you know, uh, and whatever, you know, can't be mad yeah. at all. Of them. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just the the writing in general is just not, it's not well, the best. And and I think that was a lot of where Jigsaw went wrong because we had the same writers, and you know, the one thing that Spiral has going for it is it's kind of starting over, so there's not all of that baggage, but. You know, the, the writing is still not good to the point where um, I think that they're better at writing, you know, traps and stuff than they are actual content. Um, with that said, Spiral does not have that many traps in it. Um, it does have some cool ones, but in the four or five. Yeah, like I think four, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe five. Got the tongue. Yeah. Subway. First one. Yep. Fingers. Mm-hmm. Fingers, yep. Um, you've got the um the 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 hot wax, hot wax. Samuel um, Jackson, so five, yeah. Samuel Jackson's Samuel. in the trap thing, and then and, the, and his uh, partner, his old partner. Yep, in the what the hell do you? Oh wait, no, that's six, and it'd be six then because um you have the electrocution one too. Where That's you got the like, same one. That's the same one as the fingers. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So, five? Yeah, five about. Yeah. And, and I think that that's actually, you know, that like speaking of Saw, as we went through the Saw franchise, they got progressively um, more torture to them. And you, like, at least in Saw 2, you had a lot going on because you had uh an overall trap you had multiple game traps and and then kind of saw three and saw four ran with that as well and you had like an ongoing game as long as well as like certain in internal games going on um here you know they're kind of going back to basics and you just have regular games that are occurring um but i would say that it's it's on the lower end of the film's traps sequences um, that's not to say that the traps are bad. I think the traps are pretty good. They're pretty creative. Um, but I think they're too few and far between. I think we needed a couple more in there. And that's another part of the thing that we said. This this film is probably too short for its own good. It needed a little bit more. No, I agree. I also, I, I actually do like that the fact that it's very trap minimal. Um, because to me, that's... Especially as the franchise got on with like the tracks become more ridiculous, it did feel like going back to basics on them. You know, they were simple but effective. I think the only real flaw with the traps in this uh, are the fact that, unlike the first couple of traps in the first like two films, they're very they're not winnable. Even if you do win, you're you're fucked. You know, it's got that uh. Amanda tinge to them, like, with her traps, you know, purposely killing people. Because, like, when... With Marisol Nichols and the wax trap, 
It's like, okay, I can either be permanently burned and scarred forever by hot wax coming on my face and have be paralyzed forever because I have to sever my neck to get out of it or just, you know, take it and die. And it's almost like I probably should just take it and die. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the traps here are what we talked about when as the Saw film went on and they kind of used the intentions of the killers that were not Jigsaw as methods to get gorier. Um, they also made it so that these traps are not winnable anymore or they're not worth winning. And as you said, some of the traps in um, Spiral are just not worth winning. And like, yeah, like you said, with the hot wax, I, I don't want to give, I, I guess I don't want to give all the traps away, but with the you hot might, wax one, you're right. Oh, you, you're, you're either. Yeah, we, we spoil stuff. So, but with the hot wax one, you're no matter what, you're going to have a scalded face, no matter what, because the trap immediately starts with hot wax pouring on you. So you're already getting scalded. So do you want to be scalded and paralyzed? Or do you want to just die? <laughs> I mean, it, the, 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 it just, they didn't give them much of a choice there. You know, it, it just doesn't. And especially because there is meant to be from the killer. There is meant to be redemption here. Um, in some way. It's not set up like the other jigsaw copycats where they were corrupting jigsaw's ideas um i, I just hear he is he is like you know he's not really appreciating john kramer's views um because that's also like the beauty of like the first couple of films too is like not just like that they're winnable but like if when you watch them you know several times like oh if they just did this they would have been okay you know that's the beauty of, like, you know, having these convoluted traps and then the moment of fear and anxiety taking over and you do stupid shit. It's like, well, if you just did this, you would have been fine. Or this person would have been fine. Here, no matter what, you're, yeah, you're losing your tongue and going to be fucked beyond belief, you know. Hell, if you rip your tongue off in that first trap, chances probably are... probably going to bleed out anyway because you're... It, first of all, you're down in the subway. How are you going to get out? Second of all, the subway is coming in like 20 seconds. Only that too. It's like acting like, yeah, the, the train will be here in two minutes. Like, yeah, that's how long it takes for the train to stop. So um, he's going to be hit no matter what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think that they they should have gone with what you're saying. There should be a reasonable explanation to get out of the trap. And they just don't think of it in time. Um, you know, like... Basically, in the first one, when Amanda gets out of her trap, it is a winnable trap. You can do it. These ones are just not worth winning. And there is no alternative that was like, oh, I should have thought of that. You know, obviously, they're not going to think that because they're going to be dead. But um, there was a for the audience, the audience would say, oh, wow, they, they could have gotten that. That that's sort of the fun of it, because as the audience, you're like, what can they do to get out of this? You know, what, what, what the puzzle that you're thinking of, what, what can I, how can, how could I get out of this without seriously maiming myself forever? Um, and that's just not possible here. And I think that's probably 
one of the biggest complaints of the later Saw films is that by continuously getting gorier and gorier, more torture, they got rid of what? It's just a clusterfuck. Yeah. They got rid of the, the element that truly made the traps interesting. Because it's easier, I'll be honest, it's easier to think of traps that are just gory for the sake of being gory than it is to think of ones that are complicated but can be won. Oh, if you think about it, the trap that apparently got Detective William Shank, you know, Max uh, Mangala, Mangala, Magula, Magagalu, um, what was his trap? He got skinned alive. That wasn't even a trap. Which should, you know, spoiler... What do you think of the plot twist on who the jigsaw copier was? Well, to be honest with you, um, this is not a giallo. You're not getting tons of, um, you know, tons of uh, suspects here. You, you, so, it's, so, who are, so who are our suspects? Well, I would say one of them was, you know, Chris Rock's father. But it seems a little too obvious, especially as cops are like, too close to this. It's your father. It's too obvious. So you know it's not him. Um, for a little while, I was thinking, could it possibly be the captain? It could be. Until she got hot wax on her face. Okay. Then I, obviously, you know, I knew that wasn't the case. Which um, thing, why is the cold case room have, like, an old-style safe vault door onto it? Like, for when you feel like locking yourself in sometimes. You know, that's just ridiculous. That's where you go, like, in, um... Standard police procedural where you got to go and yell because you just interviewed a witness and they got the best of you. You got to go into the lock safe and just yell. <laughs> Actually, there is two. We missed that um, genericism, but Chris Rock, there's a, a sequence where he gets so upset that he just basically spirals around out of control. Uh, like the camera is spiraling around him and he's like kind of yelling and screaming. Um, we forgot another one too. We forgot another one. He's driving a set like a 72, 73. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody has like classic cars, which, um, really out of all the Camaro models that you could have him drive around, why the 72 or 73, those front ends are terrible. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. Classic car connoisseur over here does not agree with Chris Rock's taste in cars. I mean, like, because, well, I mean, it is kind of cliche for them to have, like, a 69 Camaro or, like, a, you know, Mustang or whatever, but, which are the better look, you know, better looking, you know, especially with the Camaros, but much better looking, but, that, yeah, he's got, like, a 72 or 73, one, like, a second gen one that's that front end, and it just looks awful, atrocious. But back to the point about what you said about the uh, the killer and the identity, I think that when it comes down to it, I didn't really, th- I wasn't really thinking too much I wasn't trying to figure out who it was, to be honest with you. But when you think about it, it really has to be the person that it is. Because. Spoiler. Yeah. yeah, Spoiler. It's Max Minghella's character. Dun, dun, dun. It really has to be. Because you don't see his death. That's one that, that's like one of the only ones that you don't actually get to see the torture element to. Which again, like I said, his trap's not even a trap. Yeah, they caught him and he was skinned alive. <laughs> right. What? Yeah. Why? You know. Yeah. What? What was the? You know. What was the? Uh, the game there? Nothing. He was just skinned. Um. So it really has well, to be. Also, too, as the rookie cop who idolizes like these, this cop and his dad for being 
beacons of virtue, why would he get killed? Why would he be a part of Jigsaw's game? If Jigsaw, you know, is targeting corrupt police officers. Yep, why and it never really gives you a reasoning behind that, too. It never even says, you know, that it, again, it, that was a lack of, of um, some sort of characterization where, you know, at least they could have said, you know, well, you know, he's doing this. He was doing this on the side and, you know, no one knew about it, but he was doing that while infiltrating into the, you know, the, the precinct or something. Um, but you don't even get that. There's just no reason for it at all. And it's just, you know, we're supposed to just feel sorry because he has a wife and kid. And See, it also could have been a good idea too. If the film was longer and had more characters going back to the whole eternal affairs, thing, you could have had internal affairs agents in there too. that also get killed because you've known about the corruption. You're not doing anything about the corruption and you're getting killed. And you know who would I, because it's obviously him. Like, by halfway through the film, you know it's him. But would have been the great, the good idea would have been to bring back Donnie Wahlberg because he was a corrupt cop and saw too. To be like a uh, disciple, I mean, he does get killed in like Saw Six or whatever. But I mean, like to have him, you know, come back as like you know or a you know cop that you know was like I was a corrupt cop and I've seen what corrupt cops do. And I've seen the beacon, you know, I've seen the error of my ways or whatever the fuck, you know. That would have been cool. Something like that. I don't know how you would do because he's technically dead because he got his head smashed in. But I mean, like, you know, there's been some Saw magic bullshit before. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I definitely think that, you know, when it comes down to it, it's got to be Max Mingello's character. And again... Again, that does not really do a whole lot for the film's, you know, discussion about police brutality. Because, again, it's a white dude fighting the corruption battle. And it really shouldn't be. It it should be a comment for Black Lives Matter if that was really the case, the thematic case that they wanted to make here. But it's not. I, I guess maybe they don't want to draw attention to the fact that you know, that would be a killer. <laughs> you know, I, that, I, someone, I someone. Let's say, I do think it works in the aspect of, you know. They're corrupting, you know, he's actually a corrupted version of what they're actually fighting for. Yeah. And, so, you know, he's yeah. misunderstanding the idea. Yeah, I get it. So, I mean, but I mean, I don't think the film's nuanced enough to go that route. But I mean, that, you know, that could work. Cause I think, you know, having a. I th- I do think at the end having you know your a black protagonist and then his father be the victims of said thing, while the this white guy's like I was helping you know raising his thumb up you know it's kind of you know a fun wink and a nod and an irony I don't know if it was intended, but I mean you know that definitely works better than you know a you know than the black guy coming out on top. Obviously, it kind of has to add... Because no Saw film ends with, you know, a victory for the your protagonist, so... Yeah. Yeah, I think... Th- so, so what do you think about the ending? Because, you know, we're obviously left in, in this situation, and there is the potential for another film. Um, were you satisfied by the ending? No. One, it's missing game over. That is true. There's no uh, game over. Two, I mean, 
I mean, I like the idea of, like, the SWAT team, like, you know, that, you know, uh, Max McGannell has got, like, it all timed out. Like, this is the SWAT team's response and all that, and this is the trap. I think the trap's fine enough. It's it's suitable. I don't think... To be honest with you, I don't even really think, that depending on Chris Rock's response, that if he cooperated or not, I don't think he was going to kind of, you know, let him go, get off the hook. Because obviously, if he if he did, he wouldn't have put him in a place where, no matter, because again, at the end of the day, no matter what, he like his dad's getting shot at the end because he shot the, he shot the target, the SWAT team was already rushing in, they're gonna cut the wire that trips the trap to reactivate where Samuel Jackson's arm starts raising up with a gun where it looks like he's gonna get you know shoot and then that's where you had the SWAT team go fucking ridiculous you know. And open fire and kill him. Was that gun going to shoot or not? We don't know. You know, so the idea, that idea works. But at the end, like, I don't think his promise of, like, you know, you're the one uncorrupted cop who's been trying to fight and I want you to join me. I don't think that's kind of stupid, not just because I don't think Chris Rock's character would agree to it, but just on the basis of it doesn't seem like that he's even interested in it. Yeah, I agree. I I don't think that it was going to, you know, Max Minghella kind of gets very like almost quirky at the end of the film, Um, you know, a lot different than when we first meet him. And it just seems like it's he doesn't really want a partner. He's just it's just a thing that he's doing, Um, which I I guess doesn't necessarily make sense because, you know, why is Chris Rock technically being punished if he's following his. you know, his, uh, I don't know, his, what would you call it? His, uh, code is ethics, religion, or yeah, his code of ethics. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Obviously, he is also punishing, uh, his father because he was part of the corruption, but, you know, in a way, this is also Chris Rock's game. Yep. Say it and, one. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. It gets again, it gets messy because there's always there's always that issue at the end of Saw where there's never really, you know, something doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up when you finally get all of the um, the recaps going on, because, again, Spiral does have the traditional. This is what happened and this is what happened and this was happened, not as much as the other saws, but it does still happen as a recap saying, were you paying attention? Because this is what happened. Um <laughs> And then um, it does play the saw, the saw theme as well. So you do get that. But you don't get the game over or the... You know, that the fade out there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. With a SWAT team fucking having machine guns trained on him. Which, if it leads to the sequels, it'll be like, ooh, sorry about that, bud. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> what do you say after that? Whoops, yeah, I'm mad. Really thought your dad was going to shoot, you know. Didn't see the wires or anything, you know, that would lead me to, like, tuck and cover. No, uh, you got ten guys with machine guns and shotguns, just, you know. Well, at least he'll be buried a hero, you know. Um, d- does he want the bagpipe with some bullshit, as they say in uh, The Departed? Now let's give your dad the bagpipe some bullshit. But all right, I I think we gotta we gotta give this thing a rating here because we. What did you think 
Yeah, this is one really crucial one. What did you think of Jigsaw's voice in this? Odd choice. I'm not. I don't. Again, it seems it's like, like a, a teenager chose it. Like you, like a 15 year old, like played I, Jigsaw. It's a weird choice because it doesn't really make thematic sense. I don't. It it just seems like that what they wanted was the complete opposite of the other voice. Yeah, Tobin Bell was raspy and sounded like he had throat cancer. Let's uh, choose a prepubescent teenage girl to be the. <laughs> yeah, and um, we we didn't mention this, but Tobin Bell does get a little uh, cameo in here. Not in here, but it's like a voice from a previous show. Well, not, yeah, that and a picture. He gets a picture because you mentioned Tobin Bell needs his like uh, his check from just Jersey being a part. Yeah, he needs yeah. his residual. Ching. That's right. But I mean, um, I, that did bother me a little bit, because it's like, it's so, like, just like, hello, detective. <laughs> hello, hello, detective. Yeah, it like, weird. Of, it's a weird you know, uh, stylistic you know, choice, for sure. Doubtfire. Hello. Hello. <laughs> All right, let's give this film a rating. So, on a scale of zero to ten creepy marionette dolls, that are not the Jigsaw original doll on a tricycle. They're not Billy. Yeah. What would what would you give, Viral? The, uh, from the it's book tough saw? to give a rating, to be honest with you. I, but you know, at the moment, I'll say a six. Oh, wow. Six and a half. Uh, I, I'd say a six. It's definitely one of the better Saw films. Doing the Saw because I was a total get to every film. But those, most of the... Like, by the third, like, fourth film, they become incredibly miserable and to watch. They have some good aspects, but they're miserable watches because they're your stereotypical mid-2000s. Chris Rock in his role. I actually think that's but I think he did a good job. Um, I like the idea of going in more cell here. It's not as well thought out. If the film had maybe another 20 minutes to build up character development to give you... Because you don't really, throughout this film, give a damn about any of the characters outside of Chris Rock. If you maybe got more time to spend with them and to actually make it a more character-driven film, I think it'd be more enjoyable, and that, you know, Seven Touch would be much more appreciable. But um, I do appreciate what they were going with film. A little too ham-fisted and a little too cliche. I'd like to err on the side of that that's what they were going for, and that's why it's so over-the-top and ham-fisted. Because I do think if they gave Chris Rock the chance to actually play it more straight... Instead of more like lethal weapon cliche, would have been better. Traps look good. Um, the only real problem I have with the traps is like the blood's a little too practical effects, but I do think the traps overall are okay. I think it ta- tackles on an issue. I'll say a six for now. The opening part of that, when you get his uh, his whole um, spiel about. Uh, um, what movie were it? What was the movie that they were talking about? Gump. Yeah, Forrest Gump. That's right. Yeah. Forrest Gump. The whole spiel about Forrest Gump. Um, it's pretty good. It's pretty Chris Rocky. Um, some of the other writing, maybe not so much. Um, and I won't blame Chris Rock for some of the issues with the script writing. You know, it's I, I definitely think it's from the script rather than any delivery on his part. Um, with that said, 
you know, I think he's definitely the best. Samuel L. Jackson doesn't really get anything. So he's just there to be Samuel L. Jackson. And that's pretty much what he's doing nowadays. Um, you know, Samuel L. Jackson is being Samuel L. Jackson, whether it's in a uh, fucking basketball commercial or, uh, you know, what is what does he do? Um, he, used he, does, like, to, he used to do the Capital One commercials. Yeah, Capital One co- commercials during March Madness um, or being in pretty much any Marvel movie at this point. He's being Samuel L. Jackson. Um, so he's fine, but he does, doesn't get that much to do. Marisol Nichols, um, she's all right. She plays the hard-ass captain, okay? Um, you know, I only really know her from Riverdale, um, but I think she's she's fine here. And Max right. Minghella is kind of fluctuating. He's kind of, you know, he's... he's it's, it's like what they wanted to do is they want to make him normal as a detective because obviously you need that normalcy to um keep people from knowing the twist and then after you get the twist they're like nope this guy's super quirky you know he's a quirky killer he's a quirky serial killer um that's again we're like working on generic 101 like yeah he's a quirky guy you know he's a serial killers are quirky their brains wired differently um and and so you know i think he does he does what he does fine um but, you know, there's nothing to write home about here from the cast. And I would say with the the um, the traps, they are pretty good. I would say that they are definitely some of the better saw traps that we've seen recently. But they do um, come too far and too few and far between. They could need a little bit more. Film itself needed to be longer. And I think ultimately the traps and Chris Rock and the seven direction with the new type of cinematography is ultimately why I'm giving this film a seven. I don't remember what I gave Jigsaw, but basically what I'm saying is Spiral is probably one of the better films in the later Saw series. It definitely doesn't meet Saw 1 or Saw 2, um, or maybe even Saw 3, but it's definitely better than the later films, and it is certainly a lot better than Jigsaw. You know, I, I, I won't Take that what you will. I almost want to listen to our review of Jigsaw now because I want to. Except we could be like, glowing return to form. Can't wait to see what they do for the future. I feel like I blocked that entire thing out because I don't remember the film and I don't really I, remember what we said on the podcast about it. I I, I I I almost feel like we didn't have like a strong opinion either way. Probably six is across the board. I think that's I think that's about right. Yep. Like I said, Very- I. Really- I want to like this film a lot. Like, I just, it has aspects that's like, you, you you were so close to getting it, and you didn't get it. You wanted it, it just doesn't get there. I mean, I didn't want it when I, before I saw it, because I went in blind. I didn't want to be teased. Now that I've seen, like, the trailer and stuff, that kind of, the trailers are like the 1970s trailers. It, like, just ruins the film. Like, they have Samuel Jackson in, like, a trap, for God's sakes, in the trailer. So, it's like, well, he ain't the killer. I agree. All right. But, well. like I said, I really do like the, all the different, like, uh, like neon, like, uh, vaporwave posters that they've done for the film. Yeah, really cool. Yep. It definitely, they're trying to go in a different direction with it, for sure. All right, well, there so, you have it. So what do you think they're going to do for the next one? Because they've already greenlit Saw 10. 
Mm, I'm I'm gonna guess that they're gonna spin off of this in some way. Do you think they're just gonna go to a different tale then? And I, you know. Oh no! I oh, you mean like are will Saw Ten continue the, from the Book of Saw, or will it be more like Spiral in, Two? Yeah, I I I imagine I I would think that they're gonna go Spiral Two. I can't imagine trying to return to the Saw franchise and wading through all of the crazy convolutions that they've they've written themselves into, like all of the dead ends, because that that just sounds like a nightmare. I don't know what kind of screenwriter would want to take that on. You think they'd have like at this point when it comes to this like franchise, they'd have like a screenwriter on board, like, no, you're writing yourself into a corner. I wouldn't do that. That's going to be a hell of a thing to try to explain. And you just keep, you know. Yeah, I mean, part of it, I guess, is like audiences come back because they're like, well, how are they going to get out of that corner? So that's one of the draws. But also, <laughs> you're fucking your screenwriters big time. It's like, at a certain point, you're just, you just can't do any more without it being absolutely ridiculous. Well, yeah. at this point, I'm pretty sure Lionsgate's just hiring fucking interns to. All right. <laughs> Get us out of this mess. Oh, God. I don't right, know if I right. I'm just a junior in, you know, in cinemat- you know, in cinematic writing. Yeah, well, find a way. Not only that, though, like, the whole idea, though, of, like, Chris Rock being the, you know, the the young rookie, or what? well, not young rookie, but, like, veteran. Man's almost 60 now. By the ne- time the next film comes out, it's like, are you going to believe him as, like, you know, the hot shot detective? Is he almost 60? Yeah, he's like 56 years old. Wow. God damn. Still looking good for his age. No, he definitely does, but I mean, you know, Danny Glover is retired at this point. No, you know, by Lethal Weapon 4, he was already too old for that shit. Yeah. Alright, so what's the next film on our agenda? I don't know, you're the one that gets the DVDs. Yeah, well, I'll think about it, and we'll we'll release it early before the before we actually do the show. I'll I'll announce it, but I've got some I got some stuff that I think we can let's take a look some. at. Let's hear What's some, that? Maybe I said let's hear uh, some. Let's see. We could do um, Santa Sangra, which is bless you. Yeah, <laughs> a pretty pretty uh, popular cult film. We could do um, Grizzly. Grizzly just came out from Severin Films. That's a pretty fun one. It's literally, it's it's sometimes known as Jaws with Claws. Perfect for summer. Is it like fucking Mako? Um, It's not as bad as Mako for sure. I've seen Grizzly and it's not as bad as Mako. But it is in that... um, it's big. literally like Jaws, but, you know, th- it was at a time where everyone was like, well, how can we do Jaws, but differently? Mm, how about a bear? Why don't you uh, get a copy of Midsummer? You want to do Midsummer? It's supposed to be a really good film. It is a good film. Um, it's a good one-time watch, I will say. I, that's That's... I don't know how I feel about it, because I, I think I've seen like every video that kind of spoils it. So, Did you want to do the director's cut or the regular cut? I think the you director's cut's like three hours long. 
Let's just do the Wicker Man because that's basically what it is. And it's pretty true. Yeah, yeah. The original Wicker Man that would be pretty fun, actually. Been a long time. Since or the seen. Nick Cage Wicker Man. Uh, not the bees. Um, the Wicker Man would be pretty fun. I'd do that. That might be that might be a, a good one to do next time. It's been a long while since I've seen the Wicker Man. Yeah, that's that sounds fun. I think we can do that. Let's do the Wicker Man. All right. Christopher Lee outing. Well, you don't want to miss us doing the Wicker Man, so you definitely want to tune in the next time for our episode, which will be in two weeks. You mean um, two years? I was going to say two years. Yeah, two years. <laughs> so if you don't want to miss it, you should subscribe to us on pretty much any single podcast app that you can think of because we're on them. Podbean, Stitcher, Bam, Bam. Anchor.fm is, is our main one. Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Bam. All of them. So go subscribe. Go subscribe to all of them. Why not? Then you'll definitely get a notification when we put out a new uh, episode. But you can also follow us on Facebook or Twitter because we have those too. Just search for us on there and give us a like or follow. And then you'll be notified of all our new episodes. And then we also have an email at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com where you can write to us and let us know what you think about the show and any movies that you want to see us do on here. We'll certainly take that into consideration. You can also donate to us. We have a Patreon. Uh, You can donate to us on various apps like Anchor.fm's website where you can uh, donate and subscribe to us. Uh, Anything that you can provide helps us keep the show going, helps us maintain motivation. I'll say that. So and helps us fund our beer. So if you can spare anything, go ahead and donate. We appreciate it. Anything else from you, Martin? To end to end the episode? No, I think that's it. I think we covered it. Alright. Thanks for listening. We will be back in two weeks with the Wicker Man. Until then. Take care. <laughs>